Call Songezo now. 0891-104-207. Two weeks ago, or was it last week, Tuesday, we had a conversation, the takeover with Bandu Olomisa. He spoke about, among other things, the governance of Nelson Mandela Bay Municipality and the alliance that never really got off the ground, if truth be told, between UDM and the Democratic Alliance. Ethel Trollope commented on the Twitter feed that we have, asking me to ask Bando Lomisa a question, to which I responded and said, well, these questions could be better answered by you together with your former colleague, really, your deputy mayor in Mbobane, and the former member of the alliance. Ethel Trollope flatly refused to take this session together with Mongamili Bobani. That is why we have Ethel Trollope alone. So to the extent that anything is said that might allege anything in that alliance or against particular members of the UDM, please take it on the basis that it was not possible to have Ethel Trollope here without this condition being particularly met. It doesn't stop us from engaging Mr. Bobani at a later stage to come and respond to whatever it is that Ethel will say. In fact, we invite him too, and we would appreciate that because this is all about public interest broadcasting. Enough about that. Good evening, Mr. Trollope. Thank you so much for your time. Good evening, Mr. <clears throat> Thank you for having me on your show. Okay, first things first. What happened. You guys were very happy to celebrate 2016 victory, taking the ANC out. You fought a very good fight. You took Danny Jordan out. You blew him out of the water. You needed, of course, an alliance partner, and you found, at least at the time, a home with the UDM. You resolved in an agreement things would happen a particular way. But as soon as the gun went off, it sounds, it seems, we have read, we have heard, that things were never always, in fact, things from there went to start going downhill. How true is that? What do you want to say? Give us context to this. Um, Songhezo, first of all, um, as you know, I have retired from politics. I'm no longer a politician. I spent 25 years in politics in the opposition, and um, in the last few years of my life, I spent some time in government, two years. So we had an incredible election campaign in 2016 uh, where the ANC went from just above 50% and they went down to around 40%. And we went mm. from 39% to just under 47%. So there was a 17 percentage point swing in Nelson Mandela Bay. It was quite an historic election. And it was quite significant that the city named after our founding president, uh, the ANC lost it. Now, what is interesting there is that the five years prior to that election was uh, man, just probably uh, you could describe it as a circus. It was a tragic circus, but it was a circus. There were three different mayors, five different municipal managers. The revolving door of cater deployment swept people in and out of their positions. And different factions of the ANC were fighting over the spoils of government. And I think the people of Nelson Mandela Bay had, had enough of the antics of the ANC in Nelson Mandela Bay. And I campaigned on three promises. Those promises were that we would stop corruption, not, you know, be concerned about it or worried about it or see what we could do about it, that we would stop corruption, that we would do everything in our power to grow the economy and create jobs and improve service delivery. And that obviously resonated with the voters. And unfortunately, we only got 47% and we couldn't put a government together that was just one party government. So we had to find some coalition partners. And coalitions were very new in South Africa at the time. 
And there was a historic gathering of various political parties, and I was the chairman of the Democratic Alliance at the time. And we met with the ACDP, COPE, the EFF, the UDM, the Freedom Front Plus, the IFP, and we had historic meetings that went on for weeks, and we'd go up and down to Johannesburg. And then eventually we crafted a coalition agreement that was applicable to all the political parties except the EFF. The EFF said they'd cooperate with us because, in their words, we were the better devil of the two, between the ANC and the DA, but they weren't a coalition partner. All the other parties were coalition partners, and they signed a coalition agreement. Well, um, like with all coalitions, the greatest weakness with a coalition is that the smallest parties negotiate the greatest concessions. And Mr. Bobani demanded being the deputy mayor, even though they only had two councillors, and our other two partners were COPE and the ACDP. And I want to say that COPE and the ACDP were magnificent partners. They stuck to the letter of our coalition agreement from start to finish. And in fact, Mr. Grootboom of the ACDP was happy not even to be a member of the mayoral committee. He was the chairperson of the uh, Municipal Public Accounts Committee. Such was his commitment. Anyway, there was much fanfare, and we put a government together, and Mr. Bobani was my deputy, and we had this code of conduct, and we had this coalition agreement. And within a matter of months, less than two months, Mr. Bobani started preaching the coalition agreement, uh, and they were very simple agreements. They were there in black and white, and we'd all signed them. And uh, within about three months after the August elections, Mr. Bobani started voting against the DA in council. He wanted us to employ people who were patently not suitable to come into executive positions. Uh, in the one um, interview panel, I'll give you a classic example of Mr. Bobani's style. He, he marked all the other candidates that he didn't want. He gave them naught out of five for five different categories. And the candidate that he wanted, he gave five out of five for all five categories. And in that particular selection panel interview, he threatened to assault one of his colleagues, a DA mayoral committee member. So that was the kind of behavior we had to put up with. Eventually, I wrote to both the parties, the DA and the UDM leadership, and we had five successive meetings in Cape Town dealing with Bobani's antics. And Bantuolomisa would attend some, he would not attend others. He simply wouldn't take um, my word for it, uh, even though I gave him 21 letters. I wrote Bantuolomisa 21 letters with chapter and verse of all the infractions of our coalition agreement. And he would simply not take any action against Bobani until I discovered that Mr. Bobani was uh, involved in irregular and corrupt activities in his department as the Department of Public Health. And I broached the subject with Holomisa, and Holomisa refused to take any action. I then fired him as my um, mayoral committee member of public health, which was I was entitled to do, but I wasn't entitled to fire him as the deputy mayor. Uh, that decision was made by council some months later, and the rest is history. Our coalition fell apart. Bobani became the proxy of the ANC and became mayor. And then the slippery slope started, and the slide was quite spectacular. From two years, we achieved uh, some things that I'd like to talk to you about. You can obviously ask me questions. But the mm -hmm. fact of the matter is we've now got a provincial government that wants to place the city under administration. We've got Treasury withholding a million uh, sorry, um, almost a billion rands worth of uh, conditional grants from the city, and things are chaotic. So that's what Mr. Bobani and the UDM 
um, bequeathed the city of Nelson Mandela Bay. Why is it your submission on that last point that this is the fault of the UDM? Here's why I'm asking that question. You lamented the fact that the previous five years, even 10 years, in the ANC administration of Nelson Mandela Bay, it was chaos, if I can just paraphrase some of the words that you used, citing, among other issues, the fact that they would have had three mayors in that previous administration. Right now, Tonono Buyeye is acting because it's no longer Ubobane, it's no longer Trollope. That chaos is has since translocated into this administration, of which you're a central figure. Why should well, uh, somebody from Nelson Mandela Bay remove you from the chaos now of the last 10 years, of the last 15 years? Well, look, you know, you can say I'm a central figure. I've been out of it for some time now. But um, yes, I, I was a central figure, certainly for the first two years when I was the mayor. And our achievements were quite amazing. We went from being the second least trusted municipality to the second most trusted. Uh, Treasury awarded us with 375 million rand of grant funding, windfall grant funding, because we'd happened to spend 100% of our budget. We had the lowest increases of municipal rates uh, during our tenure, because in the decade before that, there were double-digit rates increases because the ANC were just squandering the money. But here's the thing. Uh, when Mr. Bobani started voting against us in a coalition, now, you know, there's absolutely no good in having a coalition partner that votes against you in a council meeting. It's like having a spouse who is married to you but doesn't sleep with you. Uh, not much good. And despite the fact that there were uh, recorded instances of Mr. Bobani voting against the DA, Bantu Holomisa would still not take any action against Bobani. And the reason I say Bobani must take responsibility for the chaos of this municipality is that he was a mayor for about a year. And as soon as he became the mayor, the first thing he did was remove the city manager. City manager that had been sent there by Pravin Gordon years before I even became the mayor to bring stability to the municipality. Johan Mettler, who has a track record of being a really good Mr. Fixit municipal manager, he was immediately suspended by Bobani. Bobani suspended a number of the executive um, directors. He, I think he appointed probably seven or eight, if not nine, acting municipal managers. And the city just became chaotic. The administration imploded. Nobody would take any decisions. The underspending has gone through the roof. And... Um, Treasury is just completely dumbfounded by what's been going on there. And they've been threatening for nearly two years to withhold this money. And now they have withheld nearly a billion rands worth of money. And the people that will suffer because of that are the people of the city. Mm. So there is chaos. I don't dispute that there's chaos. I'm simply saying that whatever chaos is there, Ethel Trollope cannot be extricated from it because the reason why the governance of Nelson Mandela Bay is the way that it is, it stems essentially from that coalition agreement that started and has since been, that has since crumbled down, of which you were a central figure for two years. And we are now in year four of the five. So for half of the time of this administration, Ethel Trollope was in charge. For a year, yes. half of your time, it has been Bobani. So I'm, I'm not so sure it's entirely fair. And we will give Mr. Bobani an opportunity to have his say. For you to say the chaos can be attributed to somebody who has been there for one of four years, of which two were yours. Now, okay. scapegoating somebody who was your second in command and who's only been there for half the time that you were there, and you talk about 
an administration that is in total chaos, somehow you do not accept some level of responsibility or the harsher word would be blamed for that. I'm having a hard time accepting that. Okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We have got a problem in this country where leaders refuse to lead and take action and take steps against people that are corrupt. We've got a, a president who says he's concerned about corruption with PPE, mm-hmm. and everybody's confounded by that. I made a mm-hmm. promise when I became the mayor that I would stop corruption. So the first, one of the first things I did was I stopped 650 million rands worth of crooked contracts. Those people all arrived in my office with their attorneys threatening to take me to court and to sue the municipality. None of them ever did. Okay, those contracts mm. were stopped. We saved the city money. I don't think you heard me when I said that we were we went from being the second least trusted to the second most trusted municipality. I don't think you heard sure. me when I said Treasury gave us a windfall grant of 375 million rand extra budget allowance because we had spent our capital budget and our USDG and our EPWP grants better than they'd ever been spent before. We had for two years we had the lowest increases in rates. We ended up with over two, million, two billion rand in the bank account. We had the highest uh, recovery of rates during our time. You can, you can get anybody from Treasury you like, even Mr. Malema, Julius Malema, when he said famously or infamously that the EFF were going to vote against me as the mayor to cut the throat of my whiteness, not because I'm corrupt, not because I've done badly, but because they want to punish the DA for their position on Section 25 amendment of the constitution so there's the thing i'm happy to tell you that in the two years that i was the mayor of that city things were going in the right direction in nelson mandela bay not because i Mm. say so but because ratings agencies say so because treasury says so because all the indicators were pointing in the right direction and when mr bobani took over songezo all the indicators started going in the opposite direction so it's not because of what i say Sure. No, two quick questions. Yes or no? Did you receive clean audits in the time that you were mayor? No, we didn't. Okay. And uh, quick, uh, second, question, say, second question. Yeah, just yes, on, second just question. Uh, let me just say, I want to say one thing. To get a clean audit is a very difficult thing. And if you to get a clean audit after the chaos that we inherited is even more difficult. We got uh, really good reports from the Auditor General, but we didn't get a clean audit. Okay, the second question is, how much of what you know now did you not know when you decided to go with your deputy mayor as Mongameli Bobani? How much of what you know now did you not know? In other words, how much of everything that you know now is essentially from 2016 to date? Okay, well, first of all, I had never been a councillor in Nelson Mandela Bay with Mongameli Bobani, but I had been the leader of the DA in the Eastern Cape. So I had an inkling as to what his character was. I also happened to read the book called How to Steal a City that was written famously by an ANC member, Dr. Chippy Olver, who was uh, the chief of staff for Danny Jordan, who described how the city was being stolen. And Mr. Bobani is referred to not by name, but by uh, inference in that book. So I had an idea that he was a very controversial character. I had no idea just how deeply embedded he was in the municipality. And when he insisted to be appointed as the deputy mayor and the mayoral committee member for public health, I had no idea why. I later discovered why, because public health was like the cash cow of the municipality. And Mr. Bobani was making hay uh, under our administration uh, and helping himself. And I wasn't Mm. going to tolerate that. I said I would stop corruption. 
And when Mr. Holomisa refused to take action against his cadre, Mr. Bobani, I took action. And I knew, and I told both my party and the UDM, that I'm going to fire Mr. Bobani, and it will probably mean the end of our coalition government. But when you make a pub- public promise to stop corruption, you have to stop it. You can't countenance corruption because your deputy happens to be corrupt. And I was not prepared to do that. And I think that has been the, the, the deficit in South African politics for too long now, where people in leadership are not prepared to take difficult decisions that might compromise even their own position. I was happy Fantastic. to do that. I've got follow-up questions, but let me yield to the callers at home. 0891-104-207. Mike Newlands, good evening. Ethel Trollope, former mayor of Nelson Mandela Bay Municipality. After 25 years of active politics, he has retired. He's on the line now just to account, perhaps, for some of the sins of the last four years. Not necessarily his, just sins. Mike, good evening. Thanks for calling. Yeah, hi, thank you so much. Uh, yeah, it's so nice to hear you here on the show. I, I honestly, I remember the hard months that you put in into before the election and the fantastic job that you did and the amazing result that you got. And I watched the ANC as they wept, uh, knowing that you'd done so well simply on the basis that you promised to stop corruption. Um, I was devastated when you left politics because you really did fight the good fight. And I think, in a sense... Uh, but I fully understand why, because you get worn down uh, just because we have such a corrupt government. Uh, I don't have to tell you all about that. And 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 that uh, when you mentioned uh, that uh, you were told by uh, Malema that he's not. It's not a question of he doesn't like you or does like you. He's going to punish you or the DA simply because of your position on the expropriation without compensation. And that, to my mind, speaks of why our country, quite frankly is uh, on its way down the toilet. In fact, it's in the toilet already, and now it's just a question of somebody flushing it. When, when we have a situation, and I hear on the radio so often, particularly on SAFM, voters will phone in, and they'll say, you know what, I can't vote for the DA because they're a white party, but I would ask my ANC to learn a lesson from the DA when it comes to managing our money and not being corrupt. I want to ask you, uh, Ethel, what next for South Africa? You're out of politics, and I fully appreciate why, quite frankly, I wouldn't have the guts to do what you did, and nor do I have the energy. But you fought the good fight, and it's without you. What's the question, brother? Uh, and, yeah, sure. And uh, I just want to say, what next for South Africa? Without people like yourself, frankly, we do. We just only have to look at the crisis that we have at the moment with our deco situation, the corruption in the contracts on, on health and so on. Do you see a future for us? Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Mike. Do you want to give a quick response to that, or do you want more yeah. questions, Ethel? No, I'll take okay. that. Thank you very much, Songhez. I'll be very brief. Um, Mark, um, I think South Africans are starting to realize, for a whole myriad of reasons, our economy is um, on the skids because of COVID and what's been transpiring for decades about our economic policies, etc. So things are not good in South Africa. People are, are disappointed. People are have lost their jobs. They've lost their hope and lost confidence in this country. And the only way to turn that around is to start electing people that are going to do what they say they're going to do. And I think our electoral system is is flawed because it's a proportional representation system where political parties uh, determine what their members will do in a council or in parliament and how they should vote. I think public representatives should be elected for their integrity and for their service to people, and they should be held accountable directly to the voters and not to their political parties. 
And I think that that is about the only thing that will save this country. Once public representatives are accountable to the voters, then I think things will improve. At the moment, we all vote along our own party lines, and those party lines are blurred, and they um, are blurred by cater deployment, they're blurred by self-interest, and it's actually not healthy for our democracy. The other thing is, the only thing that will save South Africa is when South Africans stop pointing fingers at each other along racial lines and realize that we're all in this together and can work together and we can make this beautiful country of ours work regardless of the color of our skins. Because every time there's a problem, every time there's an issue, somebody is, is um, fired because they're corrupt, they say it's, race, it's racist. I had exactly the same thing with Mr. Bobani and Mr. Holomisa, I regret to say. When I challenged Holomisa and I told him exactly why I know why he would not take action against Bobani, Holomisa himself, the very next day, started calling me a boss and I was a racist and I was a bully. It was a real stereotypical kind of position to take. And I was disappointed in that. And I'm still disappointed in Bantu Holomisa. I think, well, I don't think, uh, he has lost all credibility as far as I'm concerned because he was not able to stand up with any kind of conviction. He's been built a reputation on being a corruption fighter. But when he had to fight it in his own house, he wasn't prepared to do it. Beg your pardon for that hiccup. All my fault. Komani, good evening. Thank you so much for calling, calling us from Tembisa. You want to share your thoughts, please, very briefly with Mr. Trollope? Oh, good evening to you too and your listeners. Uh, Go I, ahead, I have a, a, a question to Trollope. Uh, I want to understand when he says he's living politics, is he living it because his personal ambitions of continuing to be in leadership or power were destroyed by the EFF, or he's living because he sees no future of himself or hope, he doesn't have hope in politics of Africa. Because now, the problem we have is that our political leaders are just playing politics of emotions and politics of the stomach. If they are out of positions, they leave politics and they start to act as if they are anti-corruption, they are pure leaders who deserve better. So you must, uh, he must be clear whether he's living because he has no hope in developing mm-hmm. and building South Africa, or he's living because uh, his his personal ambitions of being in an executive position were were destroyed mm-hmm. by the EF. Awesome. Thank you so much, Komani. Appreciate your calling for the first time, Mr. Trollope. Your response very briefly to that one. There are two follow-up questions. If you can make your response here rather brief, I'd appreciate that. Thank you, um, Songezo. Yeah, Mr. Komani, first of all, I spent um, 23 years of my 25 years in active public uh, representation in opposition without any positions of executive office. So I never chased executive office. I was a mayor for two years, and the EFF and the UDM uh, put pay to that, that the rest is history. I continued to serve for more than a year as a councillor. Uh, only when we had an internal election in the Democratic Alliance and Helen Seller was uh, elected into a position that I stepped down from active politics. So it had nothing to do with uh, my holding uh, an executive position. I have shown countless times in my political career if I didn't win an election or a position, I carried on serving. So after 25 years, I thought it was my time to leave. I did say that with regard to Helen Zilla, I think, there's a time to come and a time to go. And I thought her time to go had come. But when the party, the DA, wanted to elect Helen Zilla to bring it back, 
that's when I realized that maybe it was my time to go. So I then stepped out of politics. It had nothing to do with the executive office. A couple of comments since you have opened this particular segment. Trollope is talking the truth. I stay in PE. He was doing well here, and the EFF removed him because of his color. That's move from Port Elizabeth. Nelson Mandela Bay, there were many councillors who don't serve the interests of the people from the ANC, especially informal settlements. The final one, we are being sidelined by corrupt ANC councillors. Those are the thoughts of the people sharing the platform and their experiences who live in Nelson Mandela Bay. Final two, three minutes of the segment. Have you laid charges of any kind against Mongameli Bobani with the law enforcement agencies, Ethel? Yes, I have. Um, a, a whole a whole raft of them, Songhezo, but not only me. Um, you know, the, the wheels of justice grind very, very slowly, uh, and, but exceedingly finely, uh, especially slowly in this country. And uh, prosecutions and convictions take a long, long time. I have no doubt that Mr. Bobani will be arrested and he will be prosecuted and he will be found guilty for a whole raft of charges. Um, even before I became the mayor, there were charges where he's involved in the IPTS bus scandal and various other issues, the Deloitte and Touche report, the Price Waterhouse report that I had. There's a Nihongani eco-consulting report where he was implicated for a whole, whole host of corrupt activities. So I have faith that even though the wheels of justice grind slowly in this country, that they grind finely yes. enough to ultimately bring people to justice. And then so, you can get Mr. Holomisa onto your show and ask him then, why did he not take action against Mr. Holomisa, uh, Mr. Bobak? Accident. Here's why I'm asking that question and the question I asked before in relation to how much of Bobani you knew going into the coalition and how much you know of him since the coalition and its agreement. You are, you've just said now you had an inclination and an inkling based on a book you had read and some of the reverberations and murmurs within the circles that he was a checkered individual, so to speak. You've now just confirmed that there were allegations you knew before you nominated him as your deputy. How does it come to being that the fiduciary of the municipality, whose core mandate to service is not the coalition, for that matter, not even the DA, but the Mbu's residents of Nelson Mandela Bay, and you put them at the mercy of this individual who you know before has these, let me call them scandals, you have an inclination is corrupt. I would imagine you would have done your due diligence, which gives you an assessment of the individual. All of this was available to you. You rationalized it and you thought of all positions you could give him was deputy mayor. Are you not responsible for this trouble? Um, Songhezo, thank you very much for that. Let me answer it like this. First of all, I might've had an inkling. I had no proof. And I suppose the adage goes that you're innocent until proven guilty. But I had an inkling. Much like Mr. Jacob Zuma, who became the president of this country, not a deputy mayor. <laughs> We're not talking about that. Country. Don't digress me, please. Don't digress me. Don't well, digress me. I'm asking about the decisions I'm that you made in relation to Boban. I'm trying to illustrate something. The ANC believed that Jacob Zuma, and we've heard subsequently, that Andrew, uh, Mr. Andrew Mlangeni and various others knew that he was checkered, but they made him president nonetheless. In our case, we signed a coalition agreement, not with Bobani, 
the leaders of the political parties signed a coalition agreement amongst themselves, and I was one of those leaders. And Mr. Holomisa committed himself to those coalition agreement conditions. And we signed that coalition with Bantu Holomisa, not Mugameli Bobani. And when Bantu Holomisa was supposed to stand up and hold his cater to account for breaching every single one of those coalition agreements, he refused to do that. That is what made working with Mongameli Bobani completely untenable. I appreciate your thoughts. I appreciate your comments. I appreciate you coming through here. It's a pity there isn't enough time, but we will certainly try our level best to get a representative of the UDM, as it were, to have their version of the story in law, in Latin. It's called Audi Alterum Partem. Ethel, so far, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Songeza, for your time. And Excellent. Thank you. Bye-bye. Indeed, indeed, indeed. UDM will certainly wish to come back. UDM will be invited, and we will play segments of this We'll play clips of the segments as a refresher for that conversation. Thank you so much, Ethel Trollope.